You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another episode of Flying the Call. Today I'm super excited to be talking to Victoria Bark about her debut album, The Parts I Dread, which is out now via Get Better Records. I first heard this album, an early copy of it, and I think maybe the start of January, and it immediately hit home for me. It was something that I knew I was super excited to cover and super excited for, you know, to see the reaction to. Uh, spoiler, it just got a 7.01 pitchfork, which is amazing. Um, it's very, you know, intimate, intentional, and spacious, uh, bass-centered music. It reminds me almost a little bit of uh, Mount Erie's A Crow Looked at Me, mixed with a little bit of pedal and a little bit of, I don't know, just all things great, honestly. Um, so today we're talking about creating this bass-centered music and using instruments for storytelling, things falling into place with the release of the album, and doing it all while having a really intense touring schedule and working as a hired gun bassist. She's currently on tour with Pink Shift opening for Pup, and really just out there doing the damn thing. So I'm so stoked for you to listen to this episode and hear more about Victoria Lark. How's tour been going? It's been good. Um, we just finished uh, the Squirrel Flower Full US for February and March, like two days ago. So now I'm at Tree Fort for all of this week. And then I fly um, to rehearse with Pink Shift. And then we go back out on another six weeks. So it's like, it feels like, you know, I wish I had a little bit more time to process like how you know, like this big thing that we just finished and accomplished, but it's just like, nope, just got to keep going. And you have to do that same thing all over again that you just did. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. Like, (laughs) so just trying to take it in stride and like, I don't know, definitely uh, we'll probably need to take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) That's totally fair. I mean, like releasing an album in the middle of that is uh, pretty intense as well. Like, how do you feel like you're able to kind of like, is it taking your focus away from it or like taking the, the stressors away from like thinking about like having and hauling how it's going to go? Honestly, I don't know because I'm like, oh, shoot, I just forgot to like do this thing or that thing. And I'm like, uh, if I think about anything for too long, it's like, oh, God, like, you know, I just have to like do it and not think about how much there is to do. I'm really nervous for like how it's gonna happen and I'm like oh shoot it comes out in two weeks like I should really be pushing like pre-sales for the album shouldn't I like little things like that I'm just like forgetting or it's falling off but it seems like a lot of pieces are coming into place 
I got confirmation that like Pitchfork's doing a review. Oh shit! Wow, nice. And <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be like on Bandcamp's new and notable. So I'm just like, cool. Like all the things are like that I've worked for for the last like two years with this record are like slowly being put into place. And I just hope that I feel good about it all on release day and. Hopefully there are some people who want the record. I have no idea what those numbers look like. So, <laughs> I mean, you mentioned like that you've been working towards this for like two years. I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of just the, you know, getting the, the uh, time frame in mind for like, you know, how the writing and recording process went down. Yeah, totally. I guess if you include like writing, it's quite a bit longer. The oldest song on this record is from fall 2017. And the newest song is written fall 2021. So it took that entire time to like write these eight songs. And like, I don't have any like spare material from that time frame that like didn't make the album. Like, I really just wrote what needed to be written. And recording wise, like, I was getting to this point in writing stuff where I was like, I think I have a record, I think it just needs, like, a little bit something here and a little bit of something there, and then I think it tells this, like, full story. And then I approached my band from back home, and I was like, I think maybe let's record this. And initially we were going to a, like, quarantine together over winter break of my senior year of college, like, down the shore and do it all there in like the span of a month but that didn't like it was when delta was surging pretty badly and we were like i don't think i'm gonna fly like i think this just doesn't make any sense so we were like well let's just record everything remotely and that's what we did we woke up at 9 a.m every day got hopped on a zoom call and talked about like what was going to happen and then we hit it and recorded and did it the next day and, and it was like the first time I treated working on my music in a way that seriously in a really long time, um, which was so cool and special to like work on and do with friends. I feel like it sounds so cohesive. Like I'm surprised that it was all recorded um, remotely. Like, can you talk a little bit about kind of like that process? Yeah. Um, basically what we did is like we created a new Gmail account just to like overload like the drive storage on. Um, and so we were just like putting stems in there and recording, you know, from our own individual bedrooms. And it turned out to be much better than I could have ever imagined. And a lot of that, I have to thank Gavin Kane, who co-produced the record with me and he mixed everything and just like really was so thoughtful in executing like the vision I had for these songs and like um, working together to make everything sound cohesive. Like, I think it's a huge accomplishment, you know, whether or not like this album goes anywhere that it like sounds as cohesive as and as nice as it does considering the means of how we recorded it. So for that, I feel really proud. Yeah, I think one of the things that like really stands out to me is like all, there's a lot of space in the album and it feels like it's, you know, very intentional to create like a specific kind of environment. And it also allows kind of the big moments to be especially big. Like, how did you kind of go about, you know, crafting the the overall like sound and flow of the album? Um, I think it was kind of treating, like using production to treat all of, like each song individually, which sounds very like straightforward but I think what I mean is like instead of being like well let's keep everything really minimal or let's you know 
maximize everything and just like go balls to the walls with uh, layers of, and layers of guitar, like using both of those like aesthetics and um, like schools of thought in different ways to serve each individual song. So on a song like Wyoming, we wanted to do everything, everything. So we built the drum machine, we crossfaded like the the verse parts with the chorus parts and like layer it has like a hundred tracks total to like really get that like meaty distorted sound but on the total flip side um the closer friend song it's really just five or six tracks maybe it's really nothing too crazy and we kept it pretty minimal to like let the song feel very natural and cozy and so through that, I think you also get this, like, dynamic arc that kind of pairs with the, like, narrative of the, like, whole album, too. Yeah, and I mean, you've mentioned kind of, like, that that narrative, the overarching story of the album a couple times. Like, can you give a little bit of insight about, like, you know, what the message as a whole is that you wanted to get out there? Yeah. So this album is kind of about this, like, period of my life in which my parents had decided to move from New Jersey, where I'd spent my whole life to Wyoming in the middle of college and like as right before I was going to study abroad in Paris so it felt like there were a lot of things that are like were changing all at once that I didn't feel a sense of control over it was a big source of anxiety I'm like Wyoming like we don't know anybody there like why are we going there it's really really far (laughs) yeah exactly and like not being able to like see my friends or like play music with them you know, in these final years where it's like we're all living kind of in one place together, it felt like this thing that was like taken away from me and causing a lot of anxiety. But also at the same time, like it felt like a stand in issue for other things, like why I feel inflexible to change or like feel have all of these anxieties or like these relation, like this tension I have with like my parents. And so kind of using that as like the entry point to like these other deeper issues. Yeah. And I feel like that heart on your sleeve, like really getting to the bare bones of stuff also kind of goes very well with the, you know, kind of bass centered music. And, you know, like you were saying, certain moments where it's like very stripped down and, you know, um, super personal, um, you know, lyrically and instrumentally. How do you kind of like go about crafting a sound that coincides with the messaging? That is such a great question and I'm so glad like you asked it because it's something I've thought about a lot in making the record. Um, so yeah, so I'm a primarily a bassist and I write I wrote all of these songs on bass um, on this record and it that sound I feel like is as much like what makes my music my music as you know in addition to my songwriting and my voice or whatever. Um, and so there's this one, I guess it's two moments, but I think of it as one moment. The ending of Out, it's just drums and guitar. Like, there's no bass, and it's really loud, really, you know, to, like, symbolize this, like, loss of a sense of self. And then that transition to transitions into Demara starting off with only acoustic guitar and my voice with the bass coming in, like, in the last verse, or, like, it becoming bass and so, like, my solo voice in the last verse. So, like, those two moments together, even though sonically 
they're at the total opposite ends of the spectrum. It's like this harsh noise part and this like acoustic track. They both are kind of like this sense of like not uh, to represent this like larger sense of like loss of a sense of self, um, which is like, I don't know, a big part of like uh, expressing the theme. So it's definitely something that's like been on my mind and like how to use instrumentation for storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the outro and out, um, which is definitely like something that I found notable. But I mean, that song as a whole really stands out to me. It has like this kind of like slow, like marching feel. And like, I love how the bass line like really and melody really follow each other. How did that one kind of like come together? Like it almost feels like a cinematic, like movie soundtrack moment for me. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thank you so much. Out was definitely one where I wanted to challenge myself to like write in a little bit of a different way than I typically have. First off, so I wanted to try writing in a minor key because I haven't really written anything in minor. I'm like, what would that sound like? What would that be like? And then focusing on like the bass parts and the structure and the dynamics first, and then the melody and the lyrics were actually added last, which is typically not how I write at all. So it became a lot more of this like arc of, you know, getting to the bare bones of like a a sound and dynamics and structure. Um, And then adding lyrics that I liked how they sounded together. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned kind of like the dynamics of that song. Another one where the dynamics really stand out is uh, good for like the I love the little like instrumental swells that just get bigger and bigger until like the end, which feels like like almost like joyous, like victorious kind of. Can you tell me a little about that song? Yeah. So we did a single um, of good for two years ago. Now we recorded that summer 2019 and put it out in March 2020. Um, you know, great timing for releases of the world. <laughs> um, and we decided to re-record most of it. Um, we kept the backwards guitar solo from the version we recorded. Then just because we wanted it to sound a little bit more cohesive with the rest of the record and give ourselves the time to add in more of those details and um, really, you know, make the song as luscious as we could. I remember when we were recording it, one of the things I described in like how to like pace the reverse elements, because it's like, how do you time something that's going backwards? And the image I use is like when you're driving in a car, like on a highway and the telephone poles are like, like zooming past you, Um, but they're like evenly spaced. So it it moves in a rhythm. Um, So that's kind of like how we conceptualize some of those details. Um, But the most fun part about making it and recording it is getting what is labeled in the track as uh, the emo choir. (laughs) Um, And I basically tweeted, I was just like, hey, does anyone want to like yell one line on a song? And like 30 people ended up sending me stuff. And then it just like creates this like uh, really joyous, fun, like explosive, victorious moment. And that was just like such a crazy and fun and wild experience. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, as kind of like 
slow as the music is at times there's like always this really strong like forward momentum like it feels like you know it's constantly it doesn't ever feel like it's like lagging behind or anything um is that something that you kind of like do intentionally or like keep in mind while you're writing thank you so much um i hope so like i i think like yeah it's definitely good to not just like you know have the same thing happening in one verse as another verse it's just like switching things up just a little bit like it's it's really all in in the details that make the song like propel forward and have that kind of like motion yeah for sure yeah and i mean you mentioned you know how making this music centered around the bass is um something that you feel is like very unique to your sound I'm curious, like, how does that affect your writing process compared to how you've seen, like, other musicians, right? Starting off with that rather than, you know, on a piano or an acoustic guitar or something. I wonder, because I also have, so, like, Radio Silence was actually the only song I've ever written on guitar. And I have been thinking about it, and I think it is a lot more melodically focused like there's room to change exactly what chords go with a certain part because of like well let's say you have like a note that's like in the vocal melody and in the bass like and there's like you know five or six different chord options you could do so it gives like a little more um flexibility in that sense but i am trying to figure that out i think it mostly means like i feel a lot more confident when i'm writing because i know how to place bass better than I do piano or guitar in this moment in time and so it's just like ah yes I know how to make these chords like and I don't have to like think about chord shapes it's the main like difference I notice nice yeah and I'm curious how that kind of like translates to the live show like do you play more solo or like full band um I've been doing a mix I I guess mostly like the past few shows I've done, which I can't even remember when the last solo Pictorial Mark show I played was, um, have been, yeah, just me on my base. Um, I guess uh, the next ones I have are at Tree Fort. So it, yeah, just it'll be just me solo base. Um, but I do like playing full band. And I think something that I've struggled with in the past before is because I am not like a trained singer at all. Um, is, and I sing kind of quiet is like, sometimes I feel like I have a hard time, like get setting my voice, like above the drums and like a louder set, but solo bass, I feel like it, it works really nicely. And something that I'm changing up for tree fort is I'm actually going to be using some of my pedals to like, to emulate those like louder moments, um, when I don't have a full band. So to hopefully bring some like more dynamics into that and play with that. Yeah, and how did that like starting towards more experimentation kind of come together for you? Um, it's mostly just been something I've been thinking about as I've like built like a setup that I like um, how it sounds, and so I was just like, well, if I like how that sounds in a different band, like maybe I should try using that in my own. And thinking about like some of the way that like Mitski has played like her audio tree session and and things like that her tiny desk so like and I think she really goes in kind of both ends of the spectrum and in really thoughtful ways both in terms of like accentuating quiets and making louds loud especially in like a live performance setting obviously the the album is coming out and was pressed through get better records 
I was really excited when it, when it was coming out on vinyl, especially. Um, I'm curious how that relationship kind of started. Um, if well, if we had to, if we had <laughs> to say, you know, if people couldn't guess, it, uh, I met them through Twitter. <laughs> um, I like we started following each other, and I was like, they are doing a lot of cool stuff, and they're working with a lot of my friends, and um, they were one of the labels I was thinking about reaching out to anyways when I was like label shopping but I was like I'm just gonna tweet just to see like if there's anyone who's like already been thinking about it or like has room and uh they reached out (laughs) and they liked it and we talked about it and yeah and then I decided to like work with them and now we're doing vinyl which is crazy nice yeah and I mean I know you also have been doing uh like social stuff with refresh records and Obviously, we mentioned your touring musician side of things as well earlier. Like, can you talk a little about kind of just, you know, having these different arms in different parts of the industry and how that kind of like is for you? Um, It's definitely very chaotic and I don't think I'm doing a very good job. (laughs) Like, I'm trying really hard to keep on top of things and I made the horrible mistake of being like, maybe I'll just like try out consulting to see if I like that and like have ghosted, like just not intentionally, but because I just, like, can't get back to anybody. Um, I stopped texting every single person, like, unless I'm seeing them that day. It's like, I just am not getting back to people. I'm falling behind a little bit on my refresh stuff, so I'm sorry, Josh, but I'm wearing the shirt, so maybe it's okay. Um, so I'm really trying to just, like, figure it out day by day, um, get caught up on days off and, like, get really comfortable in the van, like working and sending emails and and doing that stuff, like using pockets of time where there is, because there are pockets of time. It's just about using them. So instead of just like looking at my phone for two hours in the green room, just like knocking out a few emails or stuff like that, getting wiser with my time, but also especially towards the end of, you know, a long stretch, like just taking time to chill out and rest for sure so yeah it's definitely all a balance and one that i'm doing very very bad at so (laughs) (laughs) well definitely keep me updated if you figure out the right formula because that's very much where i'm trying to get with the podcast too i'm curious like how did you kind of like get into the the touring bassist uh you know side of things because i mean that i feel like you know i don't see as many people kind of like working in that realm yeah um i kind of that's kind of what I started out doing in music, um, more or less. Like, I mostly played bass in other people's bands, like in high school. And um, I started playing with Squirrel Flower actually in college. Like, that's my college band, which is crazy. She was, I was like a baby freshman and she was a senior. And she was like, hey, I'm playing this like these few shows. Do you want to like play bass? I know you're busy, but like would love to play bass. And that's just like been something that's grown organically. And yeah, I'm like primarily trained like as a bassist. It's kind of like how I see myself like working in music in a like long term career way and something like I hope to do. There's definitely I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it's less common um, and I definitely want to like talk to other hired guns and just like kind of figure out what that life is really like someone who I think is really cool and like haven't had a chance to really meet or talk to is um, Livy from Mamalarkey because she has like Mamalarkey but she also like 
plays bass in Cherry Glazer and like plays keyboards for Faye Webster. And so it has this career that like kind of makes sense to me and kind of like something that I like aspire to be like and just kind of want to know what that's like. So there's a few of us out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for you so far, how is that kind of like, how do you interweave that side of things with the your own projects and stuff? I have no idea. <laughs> Honestly, like, I feel like in some ways they're like, two separate worlds or like they they can overlap for sure um i think it's mostly just like being able to be out on the road and meet people and make friends is just hugely important not only to like feel like a person and like have fun and on the road but also like those are friendships that you never know where they could lead to like um i met pink shift when i was doing like a small diy tour February 2020 like with my solo project and then they got huge and then they hired me to like play bass with them so you know two years ago that's something I would have never imagined happen happening but like you know sometimes you go to shows and you meet people and you meet friends and you stay friends and I think that's just like the beautiful thing about life and music is just like growing a really lovely community of people around them around like yourself and like around the people you love and just making friends and being nice those are the two rules (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm sure like the life on the road is great for inspiration as well like I can't imagine you know like feeling super inspired over the last year and a half of like quarantine like two years of quarantine yeah totally I feel like every time I come off of tour I have like this huge burst of like creativity and a lot of stuff that I want to like jot down or like wanting to write a lot but I can't write at all when I'm on tour which is because I'm just like I just need to like soak it all in and it'll come out later you know (laughs) (laughs) for sure and yeah I mean I always like to wrap up the same way which is just by kind of asking for a piece of advice or something that you've been thinking about lately whether it's music related or just life in general or anything else (laughs) I guess music related advice is uh don't stress out too much if you're not having fun now you won't have fun when you're famous and uh really think about that (laughs) um and general life advice um eat fruits and vegetables every day even on tour even from the gas station uh jumping rope is good alone time is good and you are supposed to poop in the morning (laughs) it's funny you said the part about eating fruits and vegetables because i was just thinking earlier i was like i eat taco bell so much my life would not change on tour (laughs) honestly okay here's the thing i think taco bell is honestly not that bad as far as like fast food options go like there's actual vegetarian options there that are not bad and like i mean that's the only reason that i eat so much (laughs) yeah it's so good i love taco bell (laughs) (laughs) nice i mean as any true diy person does (laughs) oh yeah and then they have that like taco bell like feed the beat thing too like i'm just like give me all of the taco bell please (laughs) so one day (laughs) and alas we come to the end of another episode of fly on the call Seriously, this album by Pictoria Park is one of my favorites of the year. Definitely going to end up on, you know, my 
list, whether it's numbered or not, uh, whatever it is at the end of the year, it's definitely going to be on there because it's truly a release that I've continuously enjoyed and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. I've been planning the next couple months of Fly in the Fall and I'm super excited for the bands I'm going to be featuring and the conversations I'm going to be having. So be sure to, you know, stay along for the ride. I'm, I really just, I'm loving what I'm doing and can't wait to give you more. Fly in the Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media in partnership with Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Jariah for the theme song, and Michaela Jane for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyingTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyingTheCallPod at gmail.com. Do what you love. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. <laughs>